Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Redemption Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm here with Steven, my co-host. Hey there, guys. This podcast is for patriots who are sick of typical news and politics talking points, but still want to save America. Exactly. What we need is action. So on American Redemption, we're going to look at the root causes of societal decay and give you the tools you need to save America as you go about your day-to-day life. Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of the American Redemption podcast. We have a great show for you guys today. Uh, Today's show, we are going to talk about the American family and how vital the family unit is to uh, conserving America and maintaining her sovereignty. And today we have a true red-blooded American patriot on today, and that's where we'll introduce Brett. How's it going, guys? Thanks for that kind introduction. You're quite welcome. Hey, Brett. Great to have you on. I've only known Brett a short while, but I can tell he's a guy who was raised right. He's got great values, so we're very excited for this episode. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you want to talk about today? Well, again, guys, sincerely appreciate you guys having me on here and uh, the invite. So I'm Brett. I work for Insurance Agency, Inc. So I sell insurance and work with ADP, the payroll company. I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I have one younger sister, mom and dad, back home in central PA, and I'm originally from the country of Columbia, was adopted when I was two months old. All right. Yeah, very good. Um, And you are really big on your family values. Why do you value those so much? So like we were talking, you know, the family value I feel is just, it's made me who I am. And it's just, in my opinion, it's a key to the success of everybody as a whole, as our society, right. And as a whole country together. So again, like I, you know, was saying to you guys, we were talking about getting this together. This isn't about being democratic Republican or being divisive. This is about coming here to, you know, be a good person and a good part of society to contribute to the world, to make America progress forward. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree that, uh, family values are the, are the core of this. This is where I got all my values from. And I think we've got some, uh, similar backgrounds there and you can tell when someone was raised right when they have good values, good manners, and they care about other people. And that's the kind of people we need in this country. Yeah. So why don't you take us through some specific examples you have uh, as to where you gain these family values, where you, uh, I guess, were passed down your uh, your lineage that taught you how to be a, uh, a true American. Yeah, so basically our story's uh, interesting. Obviously, I'm not originally, wasn't born on American soil, right? I was born in a foreign country. But when my parents decided that they wanted to adopt, right, our family that I was, uh, you know, obviously adopted into was very large on the family values. And that really started with them, but also our grandparents. And kind of, like I said uh earlier with you know the breakdown of the family and not trying to be divisive just having them there in the picture so basically in our family growing up right we were always taught that the lord came first followed by family followed by friends treating people the way you want to be treated the golden rule being unselfish kind and respectful to everybody no matter you know race religion gender creed whatnot just be kind. And a lot of that, you know, obviously started with, um, like I said, our grandparents and our parents just being so involved in our life. You know, I think the hallmark of my mom and dad's trade and what they really, you know, offered for where I got a lot of my values is just being involved. You know, my mom always was involved and around our lives with as far as making dinner for us every night, having discussions at the table. My dad was always home. Right. And and being there for us, my sister and I both in times of, um, you know, positive times and negative times, 
And same with our grandparents. You know, they were always there. They had an open door policy, just wanted us to be able to come to their house and have an open facilitated discussion on, hey, like, this is what's bothering me in my life. Or, hey, maybe this is where I can improve or get better. And just having that communication and facility to have that trust, uh, it just really built you know, some great values that I, you know, obviously am still practicing to this day and hope to pass to my children someday. No, I think those are some amazing points that you make that your mom was always available. Your, your dad was always available all the way to your, 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 your grandparents. I mean, so many of the, the problems that we talk about today stem from people letting uh, the government school system raised their children or let the television set or YouTube ra- raise their kids. And I mean, that's what puts a lot of uh, uh, bad ideas uh, in their head and, and they resent their they mostly resent their parents for not spending enough time with them, not necessarily just because of the bad ideas that they're receiving in some of these other places. Yeah, Stephen, good point about uh mom kind of being there for, for family dinners or at home to talk about what they see on public school or what they see on TV or learn at public school. That's one of the primary ways that we can combat the indoctrination that comes with the media, pop culture and public education. Like if your kid comes home from school and they're talking about 11 different genders, the mom can be right there to, to stop that immediately. And then get involved with school board, stuff like that. Whereas if the mom and the dad are both working full time, don't spend as much time with the kids as they should, then that gets to be a real problem. You don't have anyone to tell them that what they're learning in school is is wrong. I think another great point you made right at the beginning was the uh, was the hierarchy of your your life, where the Lord comes first, and then your family. And, and then your then your friends all the way down to 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 you as the uh, the in, the individual. Uh, I think this was a uh, this is and was a staple of American society. Understanding your your place in the the pecking order of of the hierarchy, and when you take away family values, uh, the the hierarchy becomes this uh, large, intricate web of uh, really, really victims who really just, really just want to be heard. Really, just want someone to tell them that they're wanted and tell them that they're they're loved. And and there's nothing better than than the family unit for that. I think a lot of the uh, uh, really mentally ill people in our society come from very poor backgrounds and they don't have that family grounding. So I, I think that's a very, uh, very great point you made up. Yeah, Stephen, I, I have to agree with you and, and listen, and that's one thing that I want to drive home. You know, I recognize that I was given a second opportunity, right? I could have been left in South America. I couldn't have, you know, made it to this country. I may not have known you guys, right? And I understand and I recognize my situation is one that a lot of people obviously are, you know, they pray for and wish they could have. And again, I'm extremely blessed and very thankful that, you know, the God placed my parents in my life and my sister's life and the grandparents that I had. Um, But I also believe too that it just takes one person to potentially change a negative uh, experience or chain reaction that's passed down through families that, you know, generations and generations. Um, And I think that kind of, you know, segues into kind of like where my grandparents and my great grandparents that I was around, you know, when they were all alive, where they came from, you know, a lot of my grandparents and great grandparents, they grew up extremely poor. We were never, and to this day, we're not rich. We're not poor. The only thing we're rich in in our family is love. And that's my dad always, you know, talks about that and drives that home. But, you know, these were people that 
worked in the steel mills, worked on farms. These were people that, you know, they went to war. I had one uncle, great uncle of mine, you know, he went overseas, um, landed on Utah Beach and knew George Patton, General George Patton, on a one-name basis, and he repaired tanks and actually helped the crew that went in with the Russians to free the Jewish people from Auschwitz. Like, people like that that went to war for us to keep our freedoms and our opportunities that we enjoy on a daily basis. Um, you know, they saw a lot of stuff, plus not just the war, um, our war-torn veterans, right, these were people back home in America, too. They had all lived through, right, the Great Depression. They lived through the stock market crash and the roaring 20s. And then, you know, World War II happened. And, you know, it just all these negative experiences, you know, I do believe made them truly what we call the greatest generation. And I firmly believe that, yeah, like I said, I've been blessed. But even if you maybe have had some hardships that it just takes some self-determination and some courage and belief in yourself to be able to be that one beacon of hope that changes your family line. And then from there forward, you're that one change that affects the rest of your family from the top down that your children and their children will follow in the great values that can, you know, drive you forward and make this country prosper. That's so awesome that he knew Patton. That guy was, was great. He was based. But yeah, very interesting family history there. That's a real hardworking family, you can tell. Yeah, I mean, they like I said, they didn't really have too much growing up. I mean, I told you guys this when we were preparing for this podcast. You know, my mom's mother was the first um, person of their family of six that was actually born in a hospital. The rest of her siblings that were older were all born at the farm. And they didn't have you know, the luxuries that we have today. For them to go from Mooresburg, Pennsylvania to Danville, Pennsylvania, my hometown, which is now you go 55, 60 miles an hour in a car, you get there within 15, 20 minutes, man, that would have been a horse and buggy ride that probably took over an hour. You know, it's just these little luxuries that we forget uh, very often, I believe, in our society you know, they had it way worse than we did. And it's just, I don't know. I don't take anything that my grandparents ever told me or my great-grandparents did for granted because, man, they've seen a lot. And, uh, again, I think there's a reason why they were named the greatest generation. So you think, like, all that struggle gave them that ability to work hard, whereas today we have all this comfort and people don't need to work as hard, so it's not – kind of built into them people kind of slack off they like comfort too much yeah i mean andrew i I completely i agree with that yeah i i think absolutely i mean again you know going back to that side of the family you know my grandma on my mom's side like they grew everything that they had from the animals right they raised all the cows for their beef the chicken for their poultry they had an ice uh, house next to the lake that they would literally freeze the pond when the pond would freeze in the winters, cut the ice and put it in the ice hut. They didn't have refrigeration back then. They salted everything for preservation and used the ice hut. They grew all their fruits and vegetables. So I, I think just, again, having that, you know, rougher upbringing, right, but yet having the center of the piece of the pie in the family with love faith god you know the trust and the hope and again just being rich in love and having the basic necessities i absolutely think that that's what made them yeah absolutely just so thankful for what they had and i think a lot of times we forget that in today's society that's like getting up at dawn every day and working 12 hours i mean that's just grueling hard work and we forget just how easy we have it today when you think about that when you put it in perspective it makes you really just want to work much harder you know we have all these conveniences that free up our time we should be using that wisely i think the amazing thing is is that they they grew everything themselves like that that's that's the key point there there's 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 no dependency there whatsoever it's me myself and i and my family and literally the will that we have to survive there there's not any 
oh, well, I'll go to the store if I feel like it today. It's <laughs> no, I, I have to get up and tend to this farm or my family is going to starve. There is there is no time. There's always a sense of urgency. And uh, again, if we had half of that sense of urgency to want to push our country in the right direction, uh, I think uh, we'd see changes overnight. But here we are. Yeah, good point. Good point. So what can we do to try to get that that, that sense of urgency and that appreciation for hard work. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, you know, this is what I want to do. And again, I'm no expert, right? I'm, I'm still single as a Pringle here, right? I'm not married, right? I don't have kids, not yet. But I think just seeing what my family's done for me, just passing that on, being able to have that facility that is open right and open-minded uh to various opinions having those family dinners having those holiday get-togethers right supporting your kids at their events whether that's a you know a football game a dance recital right or maybe an art convention whatever and again being kind to people telling people that you love them just maybe picking up the phone and texting somebody hey man i love you today or you know somebody in your family we haven't talked but i just want to remind you how much that i appreciate and i love you and all the sacrifices that you've done for me and i think uh one thing I, I, a big one i think is one thing that my grandfather on my mom's side used to say is uh you know we have two ears and one mouth that god blesses with let's use our ears to listen more and talk less and and just be there for each other. So I think that's what's going to change and what, you know, we can use to take away from all this. Yeah, I agree that it definitely all stems from the family. And that's why the attack on the family from the left has been so militant. And sadly, it's been pretty effective. But I also, I like that little quote about the uh, use your ears more, your mouth less. Yeah, we all want to talk. Especially me and Steve, we have a podcast. You know, oh yeah, we, we we talk all the time. Yeah, sometimes sometimes people don't want to hear the the hot air that comes out of uh, out of my mouth. Sometimes, but no, that's uh, you'll be amazed at what you hear when your ears are actually open. And uh, Jackie makes a good point about this to me uh, all the time. It, it, it's like, are you actually are you actually listening? Are you actually trying to listen? Uh, I think that's a really big thing is that you have to be tuned in and you actually have to be engaged with people to be able to. Yeah, it's feel, hard to actually yeah. listen, though. We've got these attention spans like goldfish. Yeah. From all of our our screens and our everything instant, everything quick. Yeah. The, all these like dopamine hits right now makes it so hard to actually listen. Well, yeah, and also I think that we need to remember that, and again, going back to the greatest generation, and I think the model that they provided, you know, they had all those opportunities that they could have used excuses to hold them back, right? Again, the Depression, coming out of World War One, going into World War II, the stock market crash, everything that they endured. But instead, they took that and they used it to motivate themselves and really just build the foundation that the country um, had right in the coming out of the late 40s, basically into the, I would say, probably beginning of the 80s. And then everything kind of started a little bit of the downward spiral. And I know we were talking about it, especially with like social media and the just the influence of media and on people and young children especially uh, and just putting the wrong things in their mind the paparazzis of the world um, you know we're a generation that we've lived through the great recession we've lived through 9-11 right so instead of making excuses for ourselves why don't we challenge ourselves to and i know steven and i were talking a little bit about this beforehand instead of you know, obviously working harder and and being proud of ourselves and our families and loving each other and being respectful but working smarter and not so much harder 
I know Stephen was and I were really talking about that. I think that that's a big key ingredient there. So what exactly does that look like? You know, we all have a, a full-time job. What does working smarter look like in that context? Yeah, so Brent and I were talking about this when you were having your technical difficulties before the uh, before the show. Ooh, and yeah, I, I think it's this... Uh, I think it's uh, really a mix between the the old school and the uh, the, the new school way of uh, uh, the American patriot. I think this is an important thing that we need to get out there. Is you know, well, the, the old school motto is you know, pull pull yourself up by your uh, uh, your your bootstraps and make it happen. Uh, uh, what, what, whatever, whatever, whatever the odds, and and in our society today, you have so many of the tools right in front of you that if you grind your axe at, at both ends, all you're going to be doing is is uh, I guess running yourself uh, running yourself bone dry and possibly not achieving the things that you want to achieve. So working smarter not harder is using the tools you have available to you everyone our age has access to uh the to the internet uh they have access to a car they have access to the entire database of the history of the world right in front of them in their smartphone. Everyone owns a smartphone. So you have all of these tools right in front of you. You know, we couldn't have done this podcast, like let's say even like 20 years ago, because we didn't have the, the the infrastructure to do it. But the, the internet is where you can share ideas, albeit there are people getting censored on the internet for having incorrect opinions. But the internet is a place where you can peddle influence and you have a car. You can go uh, be a food delivery person on, on the weekend and make some extra money to maybe fund one of your uh, uh, projects that you're working on. You could uh, you could write your own book. You could uh, create an ebook. There's so many things that are right at your fingertips that weren't available to, to those people before you. So honestly, yeah, you can, you can have the work hard attitude. We a hundred percent push that, but if you're not using all the tools in your toolbox, what are you really saying to everyone who put their skin on the line for you? I think that's a really important thing. If we're really going to be the next generation uh, of Americans and American patriots at that, are we utilizing all the tools in our toolbox, even though the decks, decks kind of stacked against us a little bit? Because yeah. like we were talking right. about, Brett. Great you, point you, there. And I, I just thought of an example that's very relevant that I was talking about with some guys at work today. So think about the, uh, the intermittent windshield wiper on your car. And that was actually a huge breakthrough. Cars did not have that. So there was an automotive engineer in the 60s who invented that. There's a movie about it that's pretty cool, actually, called Flash of Genius. So he invented this, and he had to use all this these crazy series of resistors, capacitors, and all this really complicated electronic stuff. Just think about it. Without a computer, how do you get something to kind of just adjust the amount of time it takes? It's very complicated. And he had to spend all this time and get all these patents to do it. And then the big automotive companies tried to steal it and said that he had a big, big fight with them. But nowadays, you can do that with a computer. In like five minutes, you could make your windshield wiper intermittent. So I was thinking about that. And I kinda, it kind of seems like engineers of today have so much uh, more technology that like we kind of just default to, oh, just make the computer do it. We don't have to be as like creative or as ingenious with our solutions, that's one possibility. Or you use these tools and you solve much, much harder problems because the problems back then are easy now. You could use those tools like the computer and solve things that are much harder and the pace of, of technological progress can 
improve so much quicker. And that applies to to any industry, any area of expertise. You have to use the technologies to solve harder problems. Don't use them as a crutch. Yeah, I, I again, I, you know, I think going off of what Stephen was saying and also you're saying too, Andrew, like I think like you were saying, use the right tools in the toolbox, but also surrounding yourself with like-minded people and good people that are keeping their noses clean. I think another really important one is just having a really good method of being able to research and support your arguments and your theses and whatever you're you know, trying to get out there. And, and again, going back to the beginning, having the support from friends and family and trying to keep that all together. And again, I know not everybody, like I said, has been as blessed as I have, but just I think if you have a combination of all those, right, I think that's where we see progression. Because at the end of the day, I think a lot of the issues that we're having in the country right now is due to a lack of obviously support from friends and family, but then also I think a lack of the knowledge of surrounding with good people and a lack of knowing how to properly research and get out there because like you guys were saying there's certain people that their opinions are automatically if they put it out there it's automatically disqualified from the world but you know we see sometimes one side so i think having again the open-mindedness the good support system whether that's you know good friends, family, again at the top, all the way down, I think that's going to lead to, like I said, the better progression. Yeah, knowing how to how to research effectively on the internet is important. It's tough because basically everything on the internet is is the equivalent of just calling up your your buddy Joe Schmo and asking him what he thinks. Except now it's a stranger on the internet doing that, so not often very reliable. So you really got to do your due diligence. But we have all these resources now that if you really take the time to compile research resources and do some effective researching, you can really back your positions up and just destroy the libtards, you know? Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, I, I just, I really think that, and again, I just hope that, and my prayer is that there's a lot of people in our generation that really just take it upon themselves to you know maybe rethink and and just try to have that supportive base that starts at the top and have that trickle effect um i just that's that's my biggest prayer and it is a concern and a worry and i know for a fact like i said that i'm going to be doing the best i can you know someday when i am a father um maybe an uncle maybe a grandparent, right, to be that mentor that I've had. And, you know, I think also having that supportive family to hear other devising opinions. Because, like, I know in our family, like, when the pandemic started in March of 2020, with everybody home, because I was remote, Kara was still at Penn State, and they went all remote. You know, we'd, we were all at home back in we'd have all these different opinions going around at that family dinner table and you know it was moderate it was liberal it was conservative it was a little bit of everything but we learned a lot about our family and we also learned how to encourage each other but also at the end of the day we learned how to respect one another regardless of our opinions whether they were left whether they were right and i think that having that is just so essential because nowadays you say the wrong thing you might mutter it under your breath while waiting to pay for gas at like sheets or something. Somebody hears it and they'll automatically be upset at you. And I just, I think that's very dangerous. I think we have to get back to being able to respect one's opinions respectfully and knowing how to agree to disagree. And I think we see a lot of that, unfortunately, not present in today's society. Yeah, we live in an outrage culture. People are motivated by, by wanting to get outraged at everything. But where do you draw the line? Like, there are some things that should not be acceptable for people to say in, in polite society. So what, what is the response, you think, when someone says something just terrible? You know, it's not right to just start screaming at them at the gas station, but we don't want to encourage it even. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the right and 
responsible thing to do is is and this might be a bold take but you know ask first of all be calm about it but i think be like that it sounds crazy but act like you're trying to talk to somebody and have a interested conversation like you were around your family dinner table and ask why do they believe that and maybe perhaps encourage them and put a spin on it and say well i respect that but have you ever thought about it in this regard and see how it goes from there because i think automatically just shooting it down i think that automatically divides us in a worse capacity but in a roundabout way being like okay well i appreciate that but have you thought about it this way i think maybe that could be yeah a better solution asking questions really can cut down the argument because a lot of people are just using canned responses or have these beliefs but they don't really know why they have them so ask yourself that question too why do i believe this really ask that especially before you go asking other people that way you'll be prepared if someone asks you and maybe you'll find your views change a bit too I think something else that I think a lot of us, and again, this stems back to what my family always told me growing up and, and a lot of my friends. If you don't know the answer, don't try to act like you know it. And I know that was like a real big thing, like <laughs> with my dad, especially, and my mom, um, you know, lying in our family. Like if you ever like lied, like that was a big no-no. My parents would always say, okay, tell us the truth. Because if you tell us the truth, we're going to be mad, but we're not going to be as mad because you told us the truth. If you're going to lie to us deliberately, then we're going to be really pissed off at you and really upset. So I think drawing the line of, hey, maybe I don't know enough or maybe I have to research us a little bit more before I make the right predictions. You know, I think that's an avenue we should really start exercising. I know I do because I don't know it all. I'm never going to know it all. But I think the problem is, is that we're just we're just, you know, in a culture where we have to win. And if we don't win and we don't come out on top, then we can't accept a loss or a failure, which it's good to learn how to lose and sometimes fail because it only makes you stronger in the end. But people don't like to lose that's the problem they have to be the one that comes out on top yeah and i guess i don't know sounds like losing to a lot of people you know if someone asks you something they'd rather just make something up on the spot or kind of ramble through something rather than yeah like like you were talking about with the with the with the outrage culture it's oh if if i if this is like the the age-old argument oh well if i just yell louder than you uh, I, I, I win by default, or if I get more upset or more into the topic, whether or not my argument's making sense. And I've been, I've been victim of this before. Uh, I, I've just said things just to say things and got progressively louder during the conversation just to, uh, to vindicate myself. So it, it's, it's a process that we all, uh, we all go through. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're passionate about it about a topic, but you're not as uh, read up on on it as you should, and you 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 feel like you're right in your in your heart of hearts, but you're not able to portray that message. You 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 do feel certain yeah, way I don't, about I don't it. blame people for for using that tactic. It's understandable. I mean, I've used it in arguments with my family and stuff, and the radical left uses it. They use it all the time. That's what they're. The BLM, that's what the BLM riots are. They're they're screaming louder than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well for them. just imagine how different our country would be if we were as offended every time that people talk bad about their family or uh, mock God in in uh, the 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 open imagine if we were that offended uh every time someone did that versus a minor one of these quote-unquote microaggressions that we might cause someone else who's uh unsure about where they fit in the world just imagine how different our culture would be if we were that adamant i i think i think that's that's a point as well steven i think that's that's really i agree 
um, and having that open-mindedness and being able to support whatever you're passionate or you know really trying to drive home because I feel like sometimes if I try to talk politics with certain people that I know you know whether it's again this is could be family could be your friends work and I think this applies to anybody I feel like there's people that literally just don't they just boldly make up things along the way and they don't have their facts and if you're gonna support something and die by it then man do your research and know what you're talking about and don't lie and don't try to put a spin on things that is false or fake or a false narrative so i i agree Stephen. you know having that openness and you know for where that person fits in society i, I completely agree yeah and i i think this goes off of our last couple episodes where we were talking in the previous episode with uh, Megan about people who were uh, pro-abortion choosing to be choosing to be ignorant not wanting to uh, face the music or, or face the facts or see an actual image of what happens during an abortion and then this goes all the way back to our our education episode where we talk about the never-ending uh quest for knowledge so we need to keep uh progressing in our lives in uh gain, gaining knowledge and really be a force for good and and push back against uh people who really don't have sound arguments when they come to face the face the music i think that's really what yeah. we're trying to get out here and more important than searching for knowledge is searching for truth that's Yes. Yes. Completely agree. Yeah, I like uh, Jordan Peterson's rule, one of the rules in his 12 rules for life. Tell the truth, or at least don't lie. Don't always know the truth, but you know when you're lying. And who teaches you that? Your parents, like Brett was talking about. Your parents tell you. True. And I think that rule and all the Christian virtues – which a lot of those Jordan incorporates into his rules for life. They, they work all that conventional wisdom that your parents taught you. That is a guidebook for how to have a good life. You follow those, you'll be okay. I think it goes back to, and again, not to get into a very deep religious discussion, but you know, I think those same fundamentals could be applied to, if you look in the Bible with how, Jesus and his disciples and how they acted, right? Like, I mean, they they followed Jesus's lead, and Jesus obviously preached at various you know places in the Holy Lands, but you know nobody knew it all. He was the only one that knew it all, and still to this day is the only perfect human being and the one that will ever know it all. And I think that's a perfect example of having that respect to listen to what he had to say and following his lead and a lead that was positive. You know, I, again, I think it just goes back to what you guys were both saying, just learning this from family, learning this from friends, the research, surrounding yourself with the good people and just being able to, you know, have the knowledge and capacity to say, Hey, I know this or, I'm going to tell the truth about it or, Hey, I just don't know. And take the back seat if you have to. So, yeah. And I have a, uh, a good, uh, scripture passage here that talks about, uh, truth that I, I want to just throw out there for the audience. It, uh, this is from, uh, acts, uh, chapter five, 28 and 29. And it says, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us responsible for this man's blood. But Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. And I think that's entirely the point that we're trying to get to here when we're talking about truth you you have to be willing to speak the truth that's not to uh blow up on someone in the public sphere for being misinformed or anything like that but it's uh sticking to your guns in a sense and knowing what truth truth is because you're a disciple of christ and 
just standing on your own two feet. It does. It doesn't even mean uh, engaging with people in a, in a, in a bad way or, or starting a, 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 a crusade or anything like that. It, but for, first, it's just about acknowledging God and not willing to uh, shy away from from being a, a true believer. I think that's the the first part. Everyone wants to talk about how. I like to talk about this. I like to talk about how how riled up I am about particular issues, but it's it's about standing on your own two feet first. I agree. I completely agree. And again, think that can be taught in the home, but again, it just takes that one person to be that chain link that can link everybody together and, and do the right thing. You know, Matthew seven twelve. Like I was saying earlier, and this is my dad's thing, the golden rule, right? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So I agree. So true. Yeah, it's cliche, but it's true. And that's what matters. And I, I just, really do agree wholeheartedly on the, the chain link idea that one person can can have this big effect on everyone else that's one of the big ideas we like to talk about on this podcast is that every single one of us has a sphere of influence and if you're doing something good you're going to influence those around you and they're going to influence others and little by little person by person family by family town by town you end up improving the nation Oh yeah, that that's that's a hundred percent true. So yeah, when when we had the the fatherhood episode with uh, uh, Matthew, who was very inspiring, he he talked about the father being the the center of the 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 family's uh, faith in really uh, holding them together. And we challenged people to all right, even if you're not in. Uh, the married life. Well, you have a sphere of influence within your friends. You have five friends that you're close to that you interact with on a regular basis. It's your job as a good friend to challenge them to be better individuals. Again, if we're not progressing, we're 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 regressing in some ways. I mean, because we're we're human and we all have faults and we all have vices and etc. So we all have to be. Wow. Uh, having a core group of friends who will challenge us to do better and that when our families also challenge us to do better, well, you know, day by day, uh, brick by brick, we're laying that foundation for a, uh, a better society. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Like you said, we're not – the three of us, obviously, we're not fathers yet. But like you said, we have you know people in our lives that we can influence – and Andrew, like you were saying, town by town, you know, county by county, this can go in such a positive way and direction. And uh, I, I know I firmly try to do that every single day, that I try to at least be somewhat of an influence that's positive, I'd like to think. But, you know, again, it's having that inner belief. And I think we have too many people that are in the media, that are on social media, that are in the paparazzis of the world and all these negative influences that try to make our generation especially feel like, hey, we can't do this, right? You need a lot of money. I think that is a terrible excuse. And again, going back to the greatest generation, all the stuff they endured, and they yet came out on top. We've been through so much, but we have so much potential. It just takes the inner belief of the self and really diving into it, getting up out of the bed on the right side and saying, hey, I can impact the world. I can do this. And just, again, surrounding yourself with the right people, being a part and treating every situation like family and just having the mentality of the glass being half full instead of half empty. Mm -hmm. So I agree with that, Stephen. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so with all this noise, it's kind of easier to stand out as a good influence, right? A, a light shines brightest in the darkness. So all this noise on social media, all this darkness, the, the social media, uh, all this junk out there, the propaganda, all the negative influences, being a good one, they really stand out. Yeah, it, ex exactly. Be the change that you want to see in the world. We we preach that all the time on the uh, the podcast. We're not we're not doom and gloom. Uh, yeah, 
um, America's had a a great past, and we believe that we can deliver her a prosperous future. We just have to be willing to fight for it. Again, it, it's it's not going to be handed to us. It's not going to be. It, it's not just going to show up one day. We have to start by laying a foundation and the foundation of the nation is the family. And so that's why this episode was so vital because we all have those experiences with our families and every, everyone can think back in their mind to a time where they were having a joyous moment in with their family and you can picture it like right in your head. You can just think back to a time when you were a kid and you were spending time with your family and you were like, gee, this is the the epitome of what America is. You know what I mean? Like going to a baseball game like with your dad or uh, going on a camping trip or, you know, any any one of those things like that is the epitome of America, quality time with with family and friends and those you love and we want you to get back to that we want you to have a good time that is the call to action have Have a a good good time time. and love somebody just love somebody so freaking hard that you love america back to being epic that's awesome you know it's funny we end up using a lot of the cliches we had on like our middle school classroom (laughs) on this podcast like golden rule and and be the change you want to see in the world. Love I mean, everybody. Used to laugh at them, right? But now we're bringing we're, it back. It's going to be excellent. We're yeah, bringing we it back them now. You know, you understand them now, and they're true. I I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, loving somebody and and just trying to be positive. I think we're just so surrounded with negativity, and and yeah, like Stephen, like you were saying, like just those little memories and experiences. Going back to what I said earlier, you know. How about let's be rich in love instead of rich in money? Yes, money is important. Yes, you know, having a nice car is nice. But being the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, right, is that really going to do anything? Because we give – we have so much time on this earth, and then God calls us home to his kingdom. So are we going to spend it worrying about the nice beamer that we have? Are we going to worry about spending time with those that we love the most and – making the most of the time with people like our grandparents and our parents that aren't going to be here forever. And, and just using that as an advantage to learn how to properly parent to the next generation. So I, I, I love both those points. Love somebody. Yeah. Yeah. How about, how about try and get a nice group of friends that you want to hang out with on the weekend and go on a fishing trip with, instead of sitting and crying in your nice car because you have no friends because you spend all your time focusing on the wrong things i will i will say this but that sounds like a great opportunity and adventure right now that i would go for and you know it's funny that you said that because that was one thing that my mom's dad always said he always said you know you see this car i have here yeah, well, that thing's beat up. You know why? Because I enjoy taking it down to the land. I enjoy going hunting. I enjoy going fishing. I enjoy going down to the club, playing cards with my friends, having their wives down, cooking a big meal, all of us together. And and he was happy with it. And, and I think just having somebody like that, like my grandfather, that had the simplicity to say, hey, like, I don't need a nice car. I just want to be able to have fun and go out and do some fishing or get out and hunt. Oh, I think I that's a, awesome. I got an add-on to the call to action. Have a potluck with your friends. My my new neighbors, uh, they have a potluck and invite all the people from the community, like from the local uh, Catholic community, young adult community. They just invite anybody to come over for the potluck every single Sunday, and it's the best. They're awesome people. They're so nice, super cool, very based too, and it's the best. So have a potluck. I mean, there you go. I mean, that's like that's like 10, 15 friends, like right there that you oh, have. Usually it. smaller group, but, okay. but yeah, it's great. I love that. I think we do see a lot of that, or at least I have on Instagram. 
especially with Thanksgiving, with like Friendsgivings. I know I did one here at my place this year, and uh, you know I'd love to continue to do that and hey you guys are more than welcome to come up next year and having that opportunity to again be able to talk amongst each other get to know each other whether it's different opinions whatever democrat republican just being able to be together and not being sheltered be out in public talking with one another interacting socially that's how we're going to get past all these problems when when you guys come visit we are going to have one night with of a home-cooked meal it's going to happen. You're all going to come to my place, and it's going to be awesome. Good. Very good. Yes. I volunteered to bring Hattie B's fried chicken. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, Dil- Dylan's, Dylan's been on me about that. He, he's been like, man, you, you got to tell me where the chicken is, man. It's a great city. Where's the chicken? Where's the chicken, Steve? Chicken's everywhere, man. I mean, you, you can get hot chicken in Nashville pretty much anywhere. You, like, walk outside and you trip over it. Kind of I mean, Pitt, I mean, I mean, I mean, Pittsburgh is obviously my number one city, but Nashville is always my number two. I love that place. So it's oh, food is so good. I can't wait. My mouth is watering. <laughs> mm. It's gonna be epic. All right, Brett. Thanks for coming on. Thank you again, gentlemen. Really, sincerely appreciate it. And uh, again, best wishes and good luck with the rest of the episodes. And um, have Many- a great week. Bless week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being a big supporter. Uh, everyone, please remember to subscribe, to rate it if it's five stars, and to share it. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>